strength and encouragement that comes from the Word of God. There's a revelation that comes from God's Word, illumination, and we need all of that. We need to be equipped in the Word of God today. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your Word. We thank you, Lord, that miracles are going to take place here. Why? Because your Word causes our faith to come. And without faith, it's impossible to please you. And with faith, we can appropriate, take hold of everything that you provided in it through your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we're excited to know that as we study your Word together corporately, our faith is going to rise, not only individually, but corporately, Lord God. And it's going to position us to appropriate greater things of heaven on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, thank you for your Word. We pray, Holy Spirit that you would just give us revelation knowledge now as we study it together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, now everybody said, Amen. I'm here to encourage you, but you got to encourage me too. Everyone who's been given a measure of faith, Jesus gave you your faith. 
The faith that you have to, to, for it to grow, if you'll nourish it with the Word of God, Jesus gave you. He's the author of it. If that faith that you're to act upon it, that you uh, work, faith, work your faith, it causes your faith to live and not die, that is the faith Jesus gave you. But He's also going to go through this race of life with you and help you finish the finish line well. What breaks my heart, and I've seen it over and over, and I pray to God, not one of you, not one of you this will happen to. But I've seen men and women serve God, do great things for God, love God. But in the latter years of their life, because of circumstances or situations or offenses or whatever it would be that the enemy offered, they forfeited their Christian testimony. They forfeited it. And they ended so poorly that all the years of serving God doesn't even seem to matter. It's like everyone remembers the testimony of the poor ending. Oh, I would say to you, let Jesus be with you and you with Him and finish well. Come on now, let's finish well. Let's finish serving Him until the last breath that we take from our bodies. So Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We must understand that every decision that we make in life, we need to make it looking to Jesus. He needs to be the center. He needs to be the focus. We need to run it by Him. We need to get His input. We need to get His guidance on all of it because it's His plan and His will and His purpose for our lives that He's called us to live. You're not here by accident. I know your grandma may, may have told you you were here by accident. Maybe your mom even told you were here by accident. But I'm here to tell you God has a plan for your life. And you're here. You were born. Your birthday. Everybody, tell me what your birthday is right now. Everybody, out loud. I heard of March. I heard of September. I heard of December. I heard of November. All these days that your birthday was God's designated moment for you to come into this world. Because he has a plan and a purpose and a need for you. You said, me? Yes, you. You said, it's far away from God as I am. He has a plan for you. And we're here to help you draw nigh unto him. So that he can draw nigh unto you and you can discover that plan. And you can fulfill your purpose for why you are here. This faith race in chapter 12. He goes on in verse 12 to get, tell us more about uh, how to avoid the pitfalls. He says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down. We're to strengthen the hands which hang down. So if your hands are not busy about doing the work of God, you've got to strengthen them. You've got to put your hand to the plow and start doing something in the direction of what God has called you. And the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, that, that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. In other words, there's healing, there's power, there's provision for you to walk in the purpose of God. It may be that you're struggling because you're out of the purpose of God. You may be struggling. Let me tell you what, it's time for you to step it up. It's time for each and every one of us to say, here am I, God, use me. You say, oh, but I'm not clean enough. Let God take care of the cleaning, okay? Let God take care of the sanctifying work in you. What you need to do is commit yourself unto the path that God has called you to. 
And you say, well, I don't know what that is. Well, generally, it is for you to make yourself available. Say, God, I make myself available. Wherever there's a need, I make myself available. And if you'll show me, I'll, 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 make, I'll walk through the door. If you'll open the door, I'll walk through the door. Guess what? If you'll make that deal with the Lord, He'll start opening doors for you. I can promise you that. So he says, make the, the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and the straight paths of the feet so that we won't be lame, but that we can be healed to walk in the purpose of God. So he says in verse 14, pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. Shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing. Stop fighting one another. Stop fighting everybody. Come on now. Because he says, he says, we need to pursue peace and holiness. And you say, holiness? I don't do much of holiness anymore. We need to. Because he says, without holiness, no man shall see God. In verse 15, he says, look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. We live in a day and age where there's a lot of ministry that gets a lot of spotlight that talks about the grace of God. And I'm glad they do because we need to learn about the grace of God. But we must remember as people, we have the tendency, like a pendulum, we go from one extreme to the other. We focus on one thing to the neglect of the other. It's, there, it's, it's, in our, it's in our temperament to do that. And we must discipline ourselves to remain balanced. So the grace message, as well and wonderful as it is, and thank God that He's provided more for us than we can ever provide for Him. But we have a responsibility too. We have a responsibility too. I heard two people say yes. So let those hands that hang it down be free better and say yes, we do have responsibility as well. So He says, be careful lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. So you can fall short of the grace of God and He's telling you to be careful. So it's what uh, the part that our responsibility is, is what He's talking about here. And he says, unless any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble. Let me tell you what, you can't allow a root of bitterness to spring up into your life. How does a root of bitterness take, up, take place in your life? It's when you take offense. When you take offense. Has anybody offended you recently? Has anyone and their decisions they made or the words that they said offended you? Do you know what offense is? I'm going to explain it to you. Offense is a Greek word, scandalon. And don't you just feel so much smarter? <laughs> scandalon. Oh, yes, I know Greek now. Well, this word offense is scandalon. And it literally means the cheese in the trap. Or the bait in the trap. Now, when you put cheese in a mouse trap, and that mouse says, mm, that smells really good. I like cheese. And he goes over, and he starts nibbling on the scandalon, Guess what? Yeah. And we know that's not good. That's not good for the little, for the little bats. This word scandalon means the shiny object that is the bait in the trap. Much like I've told you about these hunters that hunt monkeys. I don't hunt monkeys. I don't eat monkeys. I like monkeys. But there are hunters that hunt monkeys. And they take a coconut because in this part of the world, the coconuts are familiar to the monkeys. And they cut a hole in the coconut, and a small hole, and they put this shiny piece of tin foil in it. And they'll fasten the coconut to the tree with a chain or rope. And there the monkey goes with his curiosity and looks into the coconut. And he looks in the hole and he sees that shiny thing that's in there, that scandal on. 
And he takes his hand through the little hole and he takes hold of the offense. He takes hold of the offense. The scandal on And when he takes hold of it, now he's made a fist and he can't pull his hand out of the coconut. And the hunters will come up with a club and they'll just... No, that's ugly. Okay, but that's what they do. That's what they do. They couldn't chase them through the trees. The monkeys are too agile and, and they can't get them, but they can get them with a scandal on. They can get them with a vent. And the same thing the Bible says, take no offense. Because when somebody hurts your feelings, or somebody says something that you don't like, or somebody does something that affects your life and you're not happy with it, if you take hold of that, you've taken hold of the scandal on the offense, and the Bible says a root of bitterness will, will spring up and destruction. You get off of the uh, out of the race of faith, and now the enemy will destroy you. That's why forgiveness is so important, man. We must forgive. As Pastor Big said, forgive and forget. And I've heard people say, well, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. You know, God, that's a really sweet spirit. That's a sweet spirit. Release them to the Lord. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Let God take care of them. Don't you let the enemy use their stupidity to cause you to do stupidity and take hold of the offense. Amen? So he says, lest any root of bitterness springing up causing trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Many become defiled when they take offense. And he also says, and lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. Hey, God's getting personal here. He's calling names. How would you like him to call your name? He's calling names. He says, like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, that when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. See, when you study the life of Esau in the Bible, you get a picture of what happens to a man who has a covenant, yet he has no vision. He has the blessing of God, but he has no vision. The picture of someone that is born to be the leader, but yet they have no vision. Some folks say, well, you know, this person... I was at a family reunion, and one of the brothers was just food. Lots and lots of food. And I'm like, there's no way. And the saying is, he has eyes too big for his son. Actually, this brother didn't. This brother <laughs> ate it all. Okay. But Esau had a stomach too big for his eyes. You can turn it around. He was Isaac and Rebekah's firstborn son, and, and he loved the great outdoors. Oh, a rugged man. He became a skillful hunter, the Bible said. He learned very early in his age that he could provide for himself, he could provide for his family. So as a provider, you can see he's not a lazy man. Uh, the natural things that he enjoyed doing, he was very involved in doing. And he could take care of others' needs, and he could provide. He was what you would call a man's man. How I many of you women are married to a man's man? you 
He lived so completely in the present, Esau did, depending solely on his own strength and on his own resources that he failed to see the future. He failed to see the big picture that, that he was the covenant representative, that he was carrying the blessing to the next generation. None of that seemed to really matter to him because he was so concerned about what was touching him right now. Oh, that's on pro stone that he saw because every one of us are tempted in this same area that the circumstances that we're faced with right now that the things that we're in need of the things that we're lacking the things that are touching us the things that are demanding the things that are calling on us the appetite of this world it, it is so tempting to get so focused on taking care of this that we miss the whole picture and we are off track from running this race of faith so ask yourself what about me? Am I allowing circumstances to dictate my actions and plans rather than the plan of God, the purpose of God, the will of God for my life? Are you allowing current circumstances to dictate your words? It's very easy to do. So what I want to do is I want to give you a vision test. How many of you have ever had a vision test? Everybody probably had a vision test. I want to give you a vision test. And uh, we're going to see if you have myopia or not. Because if you uh, have myopia, you're nearsighted. That means you can see things real close up, but you can't see things. The sign down the road, you can't tell. You don't know what it says. You hope, it's, you hope it says you're going the right way. Because if it says you're not going the right way, you're going to go the wrong way. Okay. Because, so we're going to do this vision test, and we're going to go through this eye test. So uh, we, we, you may need some glasses here today. So I think I've got a picture of some glasses up here. Uh, there we go. We may need to get you with these gold frame glasses today. And if so, let the Word of God become your glasses so that you can see far out as well as near up. So we're going to look at several characteristics of Esau's nearsightedness and see if it touches us in any way. And the first one is this, a characteristic of his nearsightedness was that he focused solely on the here and now and he was not concerned about the tomorrow. Now you know what the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18 that, that without a vision my people perish. So we've got to be able to see the whole picture of where God is calling us. We may not know the details, but we know the direction that he's calling us. But when here's Esau, he was so focused on the here and now and he didn't really care about the tomorrow. That's what consumer debt does. Like I said, don't you throw in those phones that Esau now. Because consumer debt does the same thing. I'm willing to pay an extraordinary interest and I'm willing to pay it in the way it's compounded that I'm going to be paying so much more than the item that I'm purchasing. But I want the thing I'm getting so bad that I don't care about tomorrow. I'm going to die right in now. That's what consumer debt does. That's what hasty words do. When you just, somebody hurts your feelings and you just lay out. You, you use your tongue to curse or your tongue to give death rather than your tongue to give life and give blessing. Because the circumstances is heated. The circumstances is negative. The circumstances doesn't feel good. And, and things aren't going your way. And here you use your tongue to bring death. I want to save people. I want to save them. Why do you keep doing that? Why do you speak to your immediate rather than what God has said? If God has said you're healed, you need to speak of healing and stop talking about the curse of the disease and the sickness that you're overcoming. If God says that you're going to be prosperous, why are you still whining and complaining about how poor you are? I know the devil says if you whine and complain, somebody might give you $5. That 
And we'll let you go through everything, everything. What we do when we focus on the here and now, consumer debt, we don't care about the future, hasty word, we don't care about what the, they bring in the days to come. Rash decisions are made just like this. Like I said, don't throw any rocks at Esau because I guarantee if I ask for a show of hands, most of us in here, me included, could say, I've made a rash decision before and it came back and did me. It hurt me really bad. Oh, if I would have just taken the time to pray about it, I would have not done that. So that's what happens when we focus on the here and now. So check yourself. Your eyesight. Are you nearsighted only? And you're just looking at the here and now? Or are you looking out for the future as well? Second thing. He relied on his natural gifts and his birth order rather than God's plan. It's a nice way of saying he was a lazy leader. He was a lazy leader. Well, if that's what God wants, then God can make it happen. Well, God did want it. It came on the firstborn. God did give it to him. He was a covenant representative. He did give him the blessing. The blessing was passed on to him. But let me tell you what. He forfeited it. He failed to lead with it. Because he was cared. He cared more about the moment than the future. Let me tell you what. God has created you with purpose and destiny and a plan that will help change this world and make it more like God. You are light in this world. You are salt of the earth. You are called by God, created by God, put here by God, anointed by God, deposited faith by God, given His word by God, redeemed by Christ. I'm telling you that everything to make you in a position where you can be a benefit for the enhancement of the kingdom of God. You say, well, I don't, I don't have a degree. Right, who's talking about a degree? We're talking about anointing from heaven. We're talking about a call from God. We're talking about the plan of God for your life. So you, when you fail to make a plan, you basically plan to fail. So you have to make a plan. You have to say, God, I want to see the plan that you have for my life. I, I know I don't know all the details, but I know the needed direction. I remember God called me to preach. I didn't know the word, but I knew enough of the Bible that says better to have a millstone tied around my neck and cast in the sea than to lead one of his children astray. So I said, Lord, this is a big responsibility. I said, I need to know the word. And I had a job. I owned a restaurant, sold a restaurant. In between the time waiting for the next semester to come around for schooling, I took a job in a heating and air company and succeeded just amazingly. I just had such favor with the owner that when I got ready to leave, he came to me and he said, I want to give you half of my business. I'll give you half of my business. I said, boy, this story sounds familiar. Because I was given the restaurant business. They called me from the grocery store business and we'll give you half of the restaurant if you'll just come be a partner here. And they gave me all of their equity and everything. But then I, we, we sold that. I gave it back to them because I wanted them to retire. And I said, I'm going to Bible college. You guys are retiring and I've got the rest of my life. God's called me to preach His Word. So now I'm working in this heat and air company. And, and Mr. Brown, he's like, and you know, Tim, he called me in his office. He says, I know you're getting ready to leave and go to Greenville and go to Bible college. And all. he said, but you'll stay here. I need you. He says, I'll give you half of Bruce Brown heat and air. He says, and he starts pulling out the box. I said, Mr. Bruce, and I just started crying because I love the guy. He's like a father to me. I said, I, I, I can't. I can't. Don't even show me the numbers. I don't even want to Please don't. I said, I got to go. He said, I respect that. He said, I'll keep your insurance current the whole time you're in college. I'll help support you. He said, also, would you do this? Do me a favor. Every summer, I'll bring you in on your salary you have now. I'll give you a new truck, and you train a guy for me. Every summer, will you do that? I said, I'll do that. So every summer, I get to go work three months for him. And, uh, and what a blessing that was. So, so uh, you know, but at that three months was over. I had to go back. Because 
the plan of my life was to preach the word of God. Now, was it fun in Bible college? That's ridiculous. And so watch your shaking. I get no. It was. It was. I mean, you think, oh man, we're in Bible college. Everything's gonna be easy. We're doing God's plan. This is just amazing. No, it was hard. It was tough. It cost money. It cost studying. It cost a lot. But I'm telling you what, the Lord kept me going. Then went to seminary. Then went to grad school. Got the doctorate and all this stuff that the Lord kept calling me to do because it was part of the plan for my life. Right. And it would have never happened had I not left what I looked like was amazing for a, for a teenager to have at that age in life and to go that path. But what God has done for my life is more amazing than all the food I could have ever served or all the heating and air conditioners I could have ever repaired. Because we're talking about eternity here. So I'm just telling you, you've got to make a plan to pursue what God has called you to do. Amen. And then the third thing, his short, not short-sightedness, it prompted him to give up the ultimate to get the immediate. He sold out on the ultimate to get the immediate. When you're not focused on where you're going, you, you get distracted. You get distracted by every ploy of the enemy. You're on the interstate and you're trying to get to your vacation destination, but there it says, oh, there's a there's a something here, a park here or there, or there. and you're taking exits and oh, there's a burger joint here, and you know we're fasting, we don't talk about burgers. Okay, there's another uh, uh, a walking trail or a jogging trail or or uh, a mountain path, you know. Okay, we'll get physical, and you keep getting off. You'll never get to your destination if you keep taking exits. But if you're not focused on where you're going, you'll wreck. If you don't look at the road and you look down at your, your phone or you're looking back at the kids in the back seat or you're looking in the rearview mirror, you'll wreck. You've got to look where you're going. So giving up the ultimate to get the immediate. You've got to be careful with that. And then the fourth one, he was favored by his father and he probably thought that his dad would take care of any poor decisions that he made. He was failing to take responsibility. Let me tell you what, I, however old you are, I know there's some young guys here that are still under the authority of their parents, and that's a good thing. And, but, but for you who have reached the age of accountability and reached the age of maturity and responsibility, you've got to take responsibility. Stop blaming your mama and your daddy and your grandparents and your teachers and your coaches and, and your employees. Stop blaming everybody. You have to take responsibility for your own life. Boy, that was weak. That was weak. It may not sound good, but you have to do that. Esau failed to take responsibility of the blessing of his covenant representative position, and because he failed to take responsibility over it, it went to Jacob instead. He was nearsighted. Another thing is he, his limited vision called him to marry a Hittite, a choice that was not God's plan for him, and it dishonored his, and grieved his parents. And it hurt the kingdom of God. You say, his marriage hurt the kingdom of God? Yes, it did. And listen here, you will always get intimate and partner with the enemy of God when you fail to lead. When you're not in the, in the race, running the faith race to do and to accomplish what God has called you to do, you will get intimate with the enemy and it will cause harm to the kingdom of God. Your decisions will cause those closest to you some of the greatest pain. 
See, poor decisions will reproduce poor decisions. How do I know that? Well, when Esau, his children and his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, they became known as the Edomites. Do you remember the Edomites? The Edomites had the spirit that was on Hitler before it got on Hitler. Kill the people of God. Destroy the covenant people. Destroy the covenant God. And they were trying to annihilate the very one that the Son of God was going to be born through and come to us to redeem the world. And the Edomites were always trying to destroy the, the children of covenant. And I'm here to tell you, your decisions, you may think, I just need it. In, in, in my situation, we didn't know what else is business. Let me tell you what, you were never created on an island. Amen. And you're not living in isolation. Amen. Your decisions affect others. Amen. And it will affect those closest to you first. Yeah. And, 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 might, and might I say, in a more intimate way. So your decisions, they live longer than you do. When you're dead and gone, your decisions are still alive. The results of them. Like the Edomites. Esau dead and gone, but his, his tribe was still trying to destroy the covenant people of God. Wow. So, you will miss the plan of God and actually try to destroy the plan of God when you have that nearsighting. And then finally, his clouded vision blinded him from the deception of his brother Jacob. Satan will always take advantage of those who fail to lead with a worldview vision. When you don't see the vision that God has for you, and like I say, that vision is not given to us in detail, but it's it, the vision of God for you is first for you to be born again. To be born again, which is not just a one-time experience. You're born again, but now you're being saved. There's a sanctifying process. It's where you're serving God. You're growing. You're studying His Word. You're being filled with His Spirit. You're being led by His Spirit. You're honoring Him. You're obeying Him. And you're involved in His church. And His church is equipping you. And His church is challenging you. And His church is, is giving you opportunity to serve so that you can find out the details of the vision that He has for you. So we must see this sixth one. Can you put the sixth one up there for me? That his clouded vision blinded him from the deception of his brothers. You become a target for deception. The, the enemy will deceive you if you are not putting your hand to the plow and looking forward rather than looking back. So I want to say to you this morning, as we look at these areas and apply them to our lives, ask yourself sincerely and honestly, am I where God has called me? Am I doing what God has called me to do? And you say, I don't know that in detail yet because I've not really involved myself in much. Here, let me tell you. When you get involved in the work of God, you will find the direction of God. Okay? If you sit back waiting to know every detail, you'll never do anything. You'll never go anywhere. You were called into this faith race, which means you run it by faith. If you're waiting for the details, you're, going, you're in the wrong race. Yes. It's a faith race. So that's why we have Discover Embassy here. Every, every Sunday morning, in the, uh, right after the praise and worship in the first service, upstairs in the conference room, we have Discover Embassy to help you discover not only what this church and our calling and the vision and mission is, but to help you discover.
discover your vision and your mission and your giftings and your anointing and see how we can get you started in using your gifts and using your talents and discovering this plan that God has for you. And that is so very important to do that so that you now can start moving in the, in the right direction and then God will direct you. We've got a philosophy here at Christian Embassy, meaning this. We don't put a hat on you and with super glue. Okay? Now, there's churches that would put a hat on you with super glue. Mayor, they say, oh, you make a great Sunday school teacher. And let's say the mayor, he's a good teacher, but let's say he wasn't a good teacher. He didn't have to get the teaching. And we put him in the classroom, and 20 years later, he hates every Saturday night because he don't know what he's going to say. He doesn't got, he's just so frustrated, but he's going to go and do it because he was asked to do it. The hat was super glued on, and there he is miserably teaching those kids, or teaching those children, or teaching those adults, and those children or those adults are miserable because they, they can feel it. You can feel it. Did you know that? Yes. When you're under somebody who don't have the anointing or the gifting for that, you know it. And But everybody, he's doing it because he's faithful and he's loyal. No, we don't do that at Christian Embassy. If we put you in an area and you say, well, this isn't the right fit. We do evaluation. We, let's move you over here. Let's try this. Because we want to help you discover this faith race and in the details of what God has called you to do. But here's what He's called every one of us to do. He's called every one of us to be ministers. That's right. Every one of us to be ministers. Maybe not ordained to be the pastor and the pulpit preacher of a church, but a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And He's called all of us to represent heaven and its royalty. We are a royal priesthood. Every one of us. You say, not me. I've got too many problems. Let me tell you what. Get focused on doing what you were called to do. And you'll find strength to walk out of those problems. You'll find strength to walk away from those tricks of the devil and those deceits, deceptions that the enemy has brought to you. So don't wait until you get cleaned up. Let God clean you up through the process. Come on now. I'm telling you, we we know that that uh, God has brought what is needed in this time. We're having a meeting of Christian education, and we're talking about uh, our Royal Rangers. Our Royal Rangers is like a spirit-filled Christian, Christ-centered Royal uh, uh, Boy Scouts. It's kind of like that, but it's spirit-filled. I mean, it's Christ-centered. Then we were talking about the Impact Girls. And the Impact Girls are the spirit-filled, Christ-centered, like the Girl Scouts. But that's our Impact Girls. And these take place on Wednesday night. We were talking about some other ministries and, 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 and some shortages. that We needed some, some, some uh, people to come in to, to be assistants, and some to come in to be teachers, and some to come in to help uh, demonstrate and teach these young boys some, some manly things that, that will help them in, in, in going forward and stuff. And, um, and, and they were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Do we, we, do we put uh, a call out and try to hire some folks to come in? I said, no, no, no. I said, God is building His church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church He's building. So He's building His church. So that means in this church, He's got the right people. They just haven't connected to doing the right thing yet. So we're here to equip them. We're here to let them know the need. We're here to challenge them. We're here to give them opportunity to step up in, and not just, there's other 
way more of other ministries. I mean, the healing rooms ministry, the healing school ministry. I mean, we've got folks that are plugged in and working and serving and using their gifts and their talents and, you know, teaching. And Brother Harry's over at Fellowship Hall uh, every Sunday morning during the first service and the Sunday school class, the adult Sunday school class. They're growing. Yes, some of you clapping. You love it. It's amazing. And taking place. Dr. Carolyn Long's teaching our, our, our foundations class during the first service for those that want to get a foundation and understanding of the Word of God and, and how to walk and live as a Christian. I mean, it, there's a lot happening on Thursday nights, on Tuesday nights, on uh, Wednesday nights. I mean, thank God. But God is growing us, so we need more. And, and the question was, where do we reach out and get it? I said, in the congregation. In the congregation. Because we are the ones that God has called into this house to advance His kingdom. And He knows our gifts. He knows our talents. He knows our potential better than we do. So what we got to do is we got to step back during this 40 days of prayer and fasting and we got to say, God, help me see the big picture. Lord, don't let me live my life just eating one bowl of stew after another bowl of stew all about my immediate needs and my immediate gratification. Lord, I want to sacrifice for something bigger than myself. Yeah. I want to serve you, Lord. You serve me and your son Jesus Christ to redeem me. I want to serve you. And let me tell you what, if you'll be willing to do that, I truly believe the Spirit of God will guide and direct and impart and impact and, and anoint you that yeah. you can make such a difference for eternity. Just like Esau when he married this Hittite girl and they had the Edomites that brought destruction years later. When we do it God's way, we reproduce and God's work will continue positively even after we're gone. What you do in the, in the lives that you touch and the impact that you make, those will go from generation to generation. And you're in heaven. God says, I can't give you your rewards yet. I can't, Frank, I just can't give you all your rewards yet. And you're like, why, God? I'm here. He said, the work that you were doing down there is still going on. Souls are still, and lives are still being touched. So I can't give you the final because this thing is still growing. Hallelujah. Isn't that good to know that we got to wait till Jesus comes back? before, uh, and there's a new heaven and a new earth, before we never get our rewards because what we're doing makes such a difference. Oh, put your hands to the plow. Don't look back. Serve God. Don't be an Esau that's all about your hunger, your need, what you want. Step back and say, God, I'm here for what you want. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Fathers, we stand in your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for my life. Just tell them that, Lord, I thank you. You have a plan for my life. And if you have a plan for my life, you're going to help me discover it. If I'll begin to run this faith race. As I run this race in faith, looking to you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm here to tell you this morning, there may be some here, maybe some tuning in, who have never, never entered into this race. And I would encourage you right now, if you don't enter into this race, you cannot cross the finish line of this race. You cannot have Jesus as your author and the finisher of your faith. If you want to enter this race, you can do so right now. You say, how? How do I sign up? Well, it's this simple. 
God says that we'll pray this prayer. And I'm just going to ask everybody here, you prayed it many times. You, this is how we all came in. Let this be your prayer. Join me to help those that are tuned in. Help those that are around us today who have never made a confession of faith in Christ Jesus. Let's just pray it together out loud. Father God, I come to you now. You're in a sinner. Separated from your love. Separated from righteousness. But you sent your son Jesus. Out of love for me. To make a way where there was no way. And Jesus, you are the way. The truth and the life. And I now come to the Father. Through you. Jesus. Jesus. I declare that you are my Lord. I declare that you are my Lord. I surrender to your Lordship. I surrender to your Lord. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Fill me. Fill me. With your love. With your love. Fill me. Fill me. With your righteousness. Fill me. Fill me. With your Holy Spirit. Give me your power. Give me the anointing. And give me clarity. To see the vision that you have for my life. Here am I. Here am I. Send me. Send me. I'm yours. From this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said. Amen.